Hey guys, welcome back to the Sober Bartender Podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Kelly. Today's guest is Diane Gibbs. Diane is the host of 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. So that obviously has like implications of 420. So yes, Diane used weed to quit drinking. Um, That's not how I got sober. That's not how I work my program, but I'm not her. And she's been sober off of alcohol for 11 years. So uh, I got to talk to Diane and hear what she's up to now. She's got incredible energy. She's got just a positive mindset. I feel like we have a lot to learn from Diane. So while personally, I don't recommend any kind of mind-altering substances whatsoever, everybody's path is different. There is no one right way to recover, and Diane is proof of that. So please sit back and enjoy Miss Diane Gibbs. Hello, hello, Brandy. Thanks for having me here. Diane is the host of 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking podcast, but she does a whole lot more than that. So I want you to please tell us what you're up to. My gosh, do you have all day? (laughs) Because I have a lot and I can keep on going. So I've got this 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking podcast. I have um, put out 30 episodes, so I'm super psyched and proud of that. And um, in addition to that, I have this business and it's called Gibbs Goodies Sticky Balls. And so the sticky balls are something that were was actually born out of not drinking, but it really goes back a little bit further is that my family has been in the food business. Gosh, I'm the fifth generation. It's a family legacy. And so we were a grocery business, restaurant business. My grandfather actually had took my grandmother's apple dumpling recipe, turned it into one of the first frozen desserts that was distributed across the country. And Pillsbury came along. He was buying dry ingredients from Pillsbury, but they bought his factory and my grandfather put Pillsbury into the frozen food business. And that was with Gibbs goodies. And then he had a restaurant that sat 350 people. This restaurant was enormous. He either went big or you go home. The kitchen was 45% of the space. And like we had a freezer that was about 20 by 22. So that is just enormous. So after he passed away, our, my parents and my aunt, and then eventually my brother and I came into the business. And so I used to say I had gravy in my veins because we were the house of homemade. We went through a ton and a half of flour a week making our baked goods. And we were famous for our sticky buns. And so nowadays we closed that restaurant about 20 years ago. I've been in food distribution, always in the food business. And um, when I quit drinking, I had this urge for all this like sugar and so more so because I was always a savory person I didn't really quite realize it I know but I didn't think about that that the sugar was all coming from the alcohol so my guilty pleasure was cookie dough and I got healthier learned all about getting cutting all the white stuff out white flour white sugar white rice white potatoes and I started making these little balls energy balls cashews, dates, chia, you know, spices. And I'm like, what do I call these things? Like, they're so good and delicious. And I'm like, damn, I used to have sticky buns and now I got sticky balls. (laughs) 
So that's how I came to having. So this is my other the other deal that I got going on is Gibbs Goodies Spooky Balls, and I'm currently distributing across Chicago land. I'm knocking on lots of doors because I know everybody wants to get their hands sticky on my balls. I just have to get them out there. And I'm in the process of um, setting up a Shopify website. And so I can distribute them across the country. I need to get my hands on your sticky balls. I know you want, (laughs) I know you want my balls in your mouth. I actually was at an event last night and I gave one to this dude and he put it in his hand and I go, I know you want my ball in your mouth. And he just stopped and like, couldn't even put it in his mouth because he's got this girl talking about my, my balls in his mouth. And he's never had anybody say that before. He couldn't believe it. And he won't forget it either. And he's like, damn, that was good. (laughs) so you mentioned that you came onto this idea when you quit drinking so I definitely want to talk about that yeah so when did you quit drinking I quit drinking 11 years ago in September I struggled I started drinking when I was 12 and in my stories on my podcast you'll hear I don't do them in order I talked about like my first episode is about my first day of uh, my first drinks and then my last And, um, so my last happened to be at a work event and it was a huge work conference and we were just partying and every night I'd go out and get wasted and I'd wake up in the morning in my clothes and, and I say, you know, and I, I was staying at a hotel and I'm like, at least I was in my clothes and in the hotel room. And, but I had no recollection. My deal was, I was always blacking out. And I just couldn't. And so that Monday after that conference, a friend called me and she goes, do you know, like what happened on Saturday night? And I'm like, yeah, like I was at the party. I took the bus back to the hotel. She's like, no, you went to the bar and you got escorted out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And in the meantime, I'd already heard some stories about some people at the conference that were doing really outrageous things and um, getting in trouble. So I just went, oh my gosh, what have I done? Now, the one thing I, and this is something that I, because of the blacking out, I always was making up excuses, pretending I knew what was going on. And I go, well, I had the most kick-ass boots on and I was probably kicking them up and showing everybody my boots and doing something inappropriate. But with what she shared with me and she didn't go into any details. I just finally went that day. It was Monday, September, actually the 26th of 2011. And I said, I cannot do this anymore. I surrender. I'm so tired. And from that point on, I, I quit. I actually did it with the support of my three friends. My personal trainer didn't drink. I had another guy that didn't drink and I didn't have very many people in my wheelhouse that didn't drink because that's all we did. That's all I knew. Everything was based around drinking. And I always had it. Like, I can't go. How do you do an event without drinking? It was all that. I love that you said surrender, though, because like we associate the word surrender with like giving up. But it's like you're surrendering this thing that is 
actually like causing so much chaos in your life, like that you're surrendering something that is completely not serving you whatsoever, right? Not at all. And I just had started dating this guy and a couple like, and we'd been dating for two weeks before I quit. And when I first met him, I go, I go, I think I'm going to give up smoking pot because I eat too much. And then Sunday after my conference, he played back a voice message I'd left. And I go, you know, I was like, "Ah, whatever, love you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I should start dating this dude. What am I saying that for? That's not right. And then I go, "Mm, maybe I need to quit drinking instead of the dope. And he goes, whatever you need to do, honey, I'll support you. And, uh, so he was supportive, but you know, he had no idea what, how, what the support I needed and the capacity, but I didn't, I was, didn't want to leave the party. I just said, I need to quit my, this is my problem. It's nobody else's, which it's really, it is my problem, but I wanted to, I was afraid that I was going to like lose my friends. Like I'm just known for, like being crazy and zany and, and how am I going to be without alcohol? Like, I was so scared. I was so scared. That is not uncommon. That yeah. you, I totally identify with that because it just everything, like you said, everything revolves around alcohol. Like, how am I going to go camping? How am I going to, you know, listen to music? Like, how am I going to take a bath? Like, I didn't do anything without a drink. Yeah, exactly. My friends and I went to a wedding one time and um, we had like loaded up the car with some alcohol to have some pre drinks on the way there. We got to the wedding and they had like a bottle of wine on the table. And I go, well, that's enough for me. I don't know what the rest of you are going to drink. And then they had a keg and that was like it. And they didn't even have it tapped. And they didn't have, and we're like, we're just going to go to our car because we already have all the alcohol with us. We, you know, we had the party on us. We weren't going to leave home without it. Not going to show up unprepared. Oh, never, 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 never. And yeah, so it certainly was uh, that year of my first year of not drinking was really, um, of course, it was a huge challenge because on top of dating this new guy, he was late to show up to things. So that made it tough. And I made sure that I figured out other avenues. Like during my time that I would drink, you know, I started going to the gym. I actually was already going to the gym, but I just made it more of a habit and habitual at those times. But he was late. And so normally, like, if he was going to be late, I'd go to the bar and drink and wait. Couldn't do that. And so I learned a lot about patience and um, control and um and yeah and i was still like smoking pot i mean i said that i did that and we were doing some other um drugs at the time and uh and that was kind of interesting because i you know people are like well we do that when we drink and i'm like i'm not drinking but i'm still doing that like i said i didn't want to leave the party it was really tough and i remember being at the bar one time and i had a friend he's like hey you are actually really fun without drinking and i'm like oh Thank you, Lord Jesus. Like, because you're so, it's just what I identified with for so long. Yep, absolutely. So long. And I still remained in the bars. I mean, um, up until like my local, 
I, you know, I worked all over. I go, I was in the food distribution. So I'd go to the restaurants and the bars. Those guys are my customers. So my office was at my local bar and my best friend was the bartender. So I'd work up until five and that drink was right there and ready for me to go. And now I had to change that. And I still would go into the bar, but um, I'd try to figure it. I didn't stay as long. And then eventually just kept on getting shorter and shorter, how that kind of, and then my bar closed. So then I'm like, I didn't oh. have, um, yeah, I didn't have that same environment. And that was like, you know, walking into cheers. So that was, I, I was sad that it closed. I mean, cause just because of everybody I'd known, but um, it was a really good thing for me. So when you did go into the bar, did you go in with a plan? Did you ever have like cravings? Was there ever moments of like doubt to where you were like, mm, I can start over tomorrow? Or like, was it once you made up your mind, you were able to stick to that? Once I made up my mind, I was able to stick to that. That's wonderful. Alcohol was killing me. It was ruining me. It was, I was a disaster. I, I mean, I was fun, but it was so, I needed to surrender so long ago. I tried so many times. I mean, how many times are you leaning over the toilet, vomiting, going, God, I'll never drink again if you could just get this to stop. And then for me, it'd be like five, six o'clock and I'm done vomiting. And then it's like, sweet, back out on the town for the night. Yep. Yeah. There was always that bargaining. How was I going to bargain? What was I going to do? And, and so going to a bar, I, you know, I could get like a soda water and with a lime. And so pretending that you were drinking, but also when the harder part was going, um, hanging out with friends at the houses. Yeah. And so I would make sure I would bring like, I'm all into bubbly waters and flavored bubbly waters. And so I, I would have a, plethora of that and then i'd find out that they're using it as my um as the the pick and which which was totally i mean logical because i'm like oh this would be really good with alcohol but i'm like i had to start hiding it because i'm like this is what i'm drinking you guys have plenty of options to put with that alcohol and this is all i've got right here so and because i also had become a health coach and so i wasn't putting like diet pop in me or, you know, any pop or soda. And so I, I knew what was clean and what I needed in it for me. And uh, yeah, going to friends' houses. And then a lot of times, like my friends would have parties and go, oh, we're going to have appetizers. And I'm like, oh, can we please have a meal? Because they don't want to eat when they drink, you know, it right. just I didn't want to either. But that was like when I was trying to quit, I'm like, oh, I didn't eat. That's why I didn't. That's why I got so wasted. So I need to eat. But You got so wasted because you got so wasted because you drank all the things. <laughs> well, how about, okay, so I have the case of the can't stops. What about you? Could you stop drinking? No, no, no. There was a time where I was more of a, through my 20s, I, you know, I would do shots at work, but it's totally different when you're on your feet and you're moving around than, you know, if I did 10 shots in, eight hours or, you know, 10 shots in two hours, like sitting on my butt, I'd fall over. But like standing up and, you know, running around the bar, I could be totally fine and just be a little light on my feet. But like I did fitness competitions, like I trained for um, half marathons, like I did. I was able to stop for like six weeks here, 
six weeks there. So what I found with my alcoholism, that it's not how long I can go without it. It's what I do when I get a hold of it. Because once I drink, we're going until I pass out or black out. Because I was, I mean, for years, I was lights are on and nobody's home. Yes. Like I would, I would tell my best friend, Candy, I would be like, oh, Candy, I really want to go check out that restaurant. And she's like, bitch, I took you there yesterday. You were just there. And I would have no recollection, but my, you know, I would be awake and it's not like I was stumbling and slurring and falling, but I just wasn't there anymore. Oh my gosh. It got to that point. Yeah. In my, in my, you know, mid thirties. That reminds me, I went out for dinner with friends. We ordered, maybe we even ate. I went and threw up and I came back to the table. I very, very regularly vaguely remember this and I came back and I'm like when are we ordering and they're like yeah we've eaten what is wrong with you yeah like, that was just the norm <laughs> and you know what your friends don't always I had a couple that would say stuff to me and um and I had a friend that was like hey girl when you're doing blow you really are a fucking disaster and I'm like you're right and I quit after that for a long time. And I, and I appreciated that because geez Louise, like, I know you want to do it, but like for you just to go, listen, look where you're at. Like, I can't see anything because I'm blind, drunk. And, and I didn't know my pet point of no return. I had a friend who was my bartender friend. She was actually the only one that encouraged me to drink. I'm like, fuck you, bitch. I quit. Don't try to get me a drink because you just want me back on your side. I used to be that person, so I totally get it. I was yeah. that, I, I had a group of friends that we would get together on Sundays and we called ourselves Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> and now, like, being so active in Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm like, well, how the tables turn. Because, you know, AA saved my life because I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't just, I couldn't put it down and just add healthy habits. Like I needed full-time like support. I needed rigid change. I needed to change the way I think and live. And um, yeah, yeah. but it was just, yeah, I would really like when people say, oh, I'm on a break. I'd be like, come on, pussy. And now I'm like, if somebody said that to me, I might punch them. (laughs) No. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? I was just like, my friend, no, but yeah, wow. That name of your group. I actually love it, but kind of sort of. <laughs> I mean, it was just the set. I was bartending and it was just the Sunday folks that would come in. We'd be like, you know, meeting adjourned and get, yeah. Oh my God. The Sunday fun days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had to work on Sundays because customers needed food on Monday. So I would actually take my computer well, going back to my office, which was the local bar, yep. and I'd be working and going, drink, working, drink. I'm like, gosh, these darn customers get in my way of drinking. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that like the beauty in your head then? Like, that's the beauty oh, wow. of, of being able to work remotely and work from your computer is that, well, at least I can still have my cocktails and at least I can still have my beverage. Exactly. I'm still here at the party. I might have to step outside for a second and do a bit of work. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's incredible though that I I'm so glad that when you surrendered, you fully surrendered. So oh. there wasn't that battle. It was just so the struggle was really just how do I live sober? Well, yeah. So then so I, I, I go like I'm just about at this year of 
about to celebrate my year sobriety. And on September 22nd, my boyfriend died. Oh, wow. He had a massive heart attack. So sorry. In the backyard. And I was there. And I'm so fortunate that I was there because he was my boyfriend and no one would have ever called me. Like his daughter didn't have my phone number and his ex-wife, you know, wouldn't call me. You wouldn't have known. Tough. But I, I made it through that. He died four days before my year of sobriety. And, um, I kept going and I was so afraid that I wasn't going to remember our time together. But God gave me this incredible gift of not being blacked out for a year. I had two weeks of blacking out. And then the rest of it I had with him. That's amazing. That's, I mean, what a, what a gift, what a special person that was, you know, just showed up into your life and then was there for you through all that. And then, oh. And he was, and he wasn't like, he never tried to encourage me to drink, but he was still, it's interesting because like my friends never did anything to let's do a sober night, but I never asked for that either. And I never asked for him to do it sober because I thought I could handle it. And I did. It just, I just made it harder for myself. I always made it harder for myself, but I made it through that. That's amazing. I made it through it. And I'm so, and so like, like I said, my friends, I was just like, I was so, I've never experienced anything like that. And the loss was so great. And I was just so afraid of losing my memories. And like I said, I had them because I was sober. It was my first sober relationship in the alcohol, should I say alcohol free? Yes. Because alcohol was definitely my huge demon. Pot. Mm -mm. The other stuff. No. Actually, when I do the blow, man, I pass out. My friends are like, stop. You're ruined. You're wasting it because you just doesn't do anything for you. So, yeah, that was. And then every just like. I'm just on it and I'm in it and I'm living this alcohol free life. My friends all still drink. Mm-hmm. And through the years, I have more friends that don't. And I am so grateful not to drink. It's the best thing I could have ever done for myself. I, I agree. It is the greatest gift. The things I have in my life right now and the things that are happening would not be possible, could not be possible. If I was still drinking, I don't, I really don't think that I would be here if I was still drinking. Yeah. That's amazing that you, that you walked through that because so many people, I mean, that's a valid excuse. If there was ever an excuse of like, Hey, you deserve, you deserve this, but you knew that you deserved more. Did Well, the weird, crazy thing is that the night of his, uh, the wake, the night before the funeral, there was, we were at the funeral home and then his buddy lived next door to the funeral home and he was having a party. And like my best friend, the, a bartender, she was wasted out of her ever living mind. She walks into the funeral home and I'm like, oh, please get out of here. Like you're such a, like, fortunately you're such an embarrassment. And I went over to that party and like, 
I felt this crazy euphoria of feeling like I was drunk myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, is it Lou like partying through me? And it happened another time in December. I went out to his nephew's um, wedding with his daughter um, and uh, still participated, did, did something we were going to do. And th- uh, the night of the wedding, and I'm like, I go, wow, I feel wasted. And I couldn't say that to his 14-year-old daughter because she yeah. wouldn't get it. But I'm like, said it to his mom. And I go, this is so weird. I feel like I'm drunk. And I'm like, I don't know if it's imparting through me. But I hadn't drank or anything like that. Yeah. And so that feeling came over me knowing I still didn't want it. I didn't want it again. And I never want that. And that's incredible. You get to experience that. Yes. Without it. Oh, life without it. It's just, I mean, of course, life isn't easy, but man, I've seen lots of sunrises um, when I'm just waking up instead of still being awake, you know, oh all night. Because I cringed at that. I hated seeing the sunrise because I'm like, this means I'm going to feel even shittier today. And now I love it if I wake up at five. And I see this incredible sunrise. It's God waking me up to the beauty of what is out there. And I live right on Lake Michigan in Chicago. And I have the most incredible view. And I appreciate it. And it's such a different capacity. And I actually haven't thought about it like that until we're talking right now. And uh, that is incredible. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, so with your podcast and getting to share your stories, like you, like you share like the drunkalog and you share the shit show, but now you have a chance. You know, we say like in, in the program that I work is uh, like we see how our experience can benefit others. So it's like you have these stories, but then you also get to offer insight into like what you've learned or what. I don't know. I, do you share like what you could have done differently or just, you know? No. Yeah, I definitely do. So um, one thing that I just talked about was um, it's really interesting. I love to journal. So um, I, and I've been journaling like since fifth grade and then on and off through years. And I have my journals from high school. Oh. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. And then since um, since Lou died, his. um that wedding I was at his, like the, the mom of the bride gave me this journal and I've been journaling ever since. And um, so in my ninth grade journal, I wrote about wanting to get drunk and going out to a party. So I'm like, I like so-and-so I want to go out and get drunk so he can take advantage of me. Mm-hmm. I'm not shocked if you can't tell. <laughs> Three different times I wrote it. I'm like, is that the way? And I thought guys would like me better drunk. And I went back and I'm like, geez, that was not attractive. And that's what I talk about in these, in my podcast. Like, how did I think that that was like the way to go? What kind? I had no respect for myself. And it's just like the the reflections now. Now, I used to think, and I still do, my stories are super entertaining. I mean, the things that happened and it's just like, really? And I'm sure, you know, we all have those, but I like have some really good ones. Um, and now, and I have to say they were 
like a fun event, but I look at them in a different capacity and reflect on like, really, this was what was going on. Why did I do this? And really try to um, share ways to um, kind of step away from that and have people just do some reflections. Like the question is, tell me, what do you like about your drunk self? Write it down. Give me five things that you like about it. What are you cooler? Like, what is it? Because when I, I like my drunk self caused a lot of damage. So it's interesting. Can you really see anything really good about that? Now, the other thing I did through my podcast is that, and through my a wonderful coach, Kathy Heller, she prompted us to like start a Facebook group. She prompted us to like get something going. And I stepped out of my comfort zone and I put a seven day sober curious challenge together. And um, so I had like 10 participants. I was so fortunate. And I even had some friends from high school and they were wonderful. Not my immediate group, but some other friends and which was so great. And we just had a, a time to connect, which was fabulous. But I knew during that time, that seven day sober curious, it wasn't just for alcohol. It was just being sober curious. So I actually quit smoking pot during that time. Yeah. And once again, I'd asked those, I made a list of questions. What do you like about yourself when you're high? What does it do for you? Do you, are you better? Are you, you know, I had about 20 questions. And so I did that at the beginning of the, the, the um, challenge. Mm-hmm. And then 10 days later, I actually went three extra days because I'm like, oh, let's see. I'm just going to go longer. And then 10 days later, when I smoked again, I went back and I answered those questions. And I do, I mean, and it affects people differently. Um, and pot really, I am super, like, I'm a visionary and I, my ideas just are constantly flowing and boy, they just really turn on when I, um, actually smoke pot. And, and so they're, the, the ideas are coming, but I still really work at a high capacity of ideas without it. Um, another thing, it makes me eat and I, <laughs> didn't want to necessarily go back to that but now i understand and i and i have reduced the amount that i am currently smoking and because of where i'm at in my life and the podcast but really the thing that lights me up so much more is these sicky balls i am so high on this and this vibe that i forget to smoke pot i'm like I don't need it. I'm so high. Just naturally now I'm like, yeah. So I like those other substances um, are just kind of falling by the wayside. Do you feel like it was like, it was a little more habitual and now it's a little more recreational for you? Yeah. Yeah. Like you were doing it cause it's what you do. And then when you oh, yeah. looked at it head on, then you went, Oh, well, I don't need to be doing it like this. And then, oh, yeah. well, cause I'm actually doobie die. That is my nickname. Everybody calls me <laughs> okay. doobie die. My friends at college, they were, they're like, Hey, you know, Diane Gibbs. And they're like, mm. they go doobie die. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I know doobie die. I love doobie die. <laughs> my family, my parents, um, my nieces and nephew, like that's who I am. My cousins, everybody calls me doobie die. And, um, and so I identified with that. And so that was like, I'm still going to be able to be fun. 
because, you know, some people are like really aren't able to socialize when they smoke pot. And I do. And I think I was participating more in the like eating the gummies and all that because I was trying to keep up with the party. I still was trying to be in the party. Mm. And now, I mean, I'm still in the, I still hang out with my friends. I, um, and I love them. And, and it's interesting doing the podcast, their realization and our relationships um, continue to um, change, evolve. um, But we're still growing as friends. um, And I, I feel fortunate because so many people cannot, cannot socialize with the people. Did you experience anything like that? I mean, I hear it so, so, so much. Um, I did not change my friends. So I I started my um, recovery journey in June of 2019. But that is not Mm -hmm. my that's not my sobriety date. I did. um, I did relapse in there. And when I relapsed, I relapsed big. But um, when I started, I was still living in Las Vegas. um, And I didn't change like my friend group, I still went to the bar, like the dude who I, you know, would, you know, buy my Coke from and think, you know, he was still there and I had to look at it every day and just say no. And it was like, but I would still, um, I would still hang out. Like, you know, I asked everyone and you kind of touched on this. Um, I asked everyone, please don't change what you do. Like it's my problem. And I don't want anyone walking on eggshells around me. And I don't want anyone changing because of me. But I also didn't change anything about me in that first year. And that led to me drinking again. Yeah. But this is like total abstinence. No weed, no Coke, no alcohol, no cough medicine. You know, um, yeah, I didn't change anything about myself. Like I went to meetings and I did this and I did that. But um I wasn't, I didn't really like, I didn't go within. And uh, so after, after uh, moving to Washington during COVID and, you know, moving in with an old friend and like rekindling a a romance that had fizzled 20 years before for good reason, you know, I moved up there. I drank the day I got there. I got married two months later. I was, you know, separated six months later and I was back in, in recovery, like, before the end of that six months, just, you know, I was in a new state and I was like, holy crap. So I still didn't change my friends. And like my husband now drinks, he's never seen me drink. Um, But I, I still am around people that drink and I'm still around the party, but I'm not the same in the party. I am different. Like I can socialize, but I'm much more, um, not withdrawn, but I'm I, I'm not like the loud, outgoing. Like I I felt like I I was different when I drank, like and I did miss those things about myself in the past. You know, like I was I was kind of loud and I was kind of obnoxious, and sometimes it was great, and other times it was really inappropriate and unnecessary. Um, yeah. So it's still a process. Like I'm coming up on two years sober this time around. Hooray! Yes, just a couple weeks away. Um, but I'm still, I'm still growing into, you know, a sober person. So yeah, there's still times where I'm not who I would like to be. The woman that I am in my head versus who I am on the outside isn't matching. Um, 
but That's in a good way. Cause before who I was on the outside, didn't I was like, I was good on the inside, but I was really shitty on the outside. And now it's like, you know, there's good inside, but I'm not, I don't share it with everyone the way that I used to. I'm a little more closed off and I'm, I'm a little more reserved, but once I do connect with people, then I open up. But I feel like, like being like an empathetic person and being like, um, having like a history of re- trying to rescue people and being in the bartender position, it's kind of a good thing to have some boundaries and like to get to know people before you're like, Oh, I need to help you come to my home. Like before I even, you know, when I was drunk, I'd be all fucked up and somebody would be having a bad day and I'd be like, I love you. Come to my house. And I, you know, feed them whatever I'd either cook for them or feed them booze or give them drugs or just whatever, you know, just cause I had that. And now I, I get to do that. But in, a safer for me way and probably more helpful for them way. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, now I remember helping you and I have different coping mechanisms and Yeah. Yep. Oh. Crazy. But most of what I have to say is about either like recovery or personal growth or healing. And like people at the party do not want to hear that. <laughs> I know. They're kind of like, whatever. Yeah. Where's my drink? Mm-hmm. Like I went to a concert with my friends. We went and saw New Order. And one of my friends is like, it's seven. She goes, I'm not buzzing off. I need a shot. It's only seven. What do you need to get you to a point that you're going to go to a concert and enjoy yourself? Like, I am like so glad that it's, I don't like think of that capacity. It's just, it was just, okay, let's, and I remember doing shots back in the day in college, we'd have three beers in the refrigerator. And so we're like, whoa, we must play the 60 second club. So every 60 seconds, we would fill our shot glass and drink that beer and then shake your head. Cause you know what? It's going to affect you or affect you. What? Like, what a silly, stupid game. And yeah. but it's because we only had three beers and we had to like uh, slam it. And so yeah, you had to make them count. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And now it's just like hmm, none of that. And the thing that's so wonderful about not drinking is that um, I can leave the party when I'm ready to, when I'm done with it. Nothing good ever happens after 10 o'clock or well, 11 o'clock. And because everybody starts getting into that repeating zone and I shut up. Like, I don't want to be mean, but I'm sick of the repeating and like, you're an idiot. I love you, but you're an idiot. And so now I get to go home and I don't have to worry about like, I get to drive home. I don't have to, because I was still driving when I was drinking. I do remember coming down in the morning into my garage and we had ballet guys and I'm, and you know, always a different one in the morning than in the night. And I go, I was clicking my um, car clicker to see where the car was to see if I'd even driven it home. Yes. Oh, same. I didn't have the ballet, but definitely going down and it was always a, a roll of the dice, whether my car would be there if it was in my spot and if it wasn't, I would call my friend Doreen was such a dear. She would come and pick me up and she would drive me from place to place of where I could have, would have maybe been so that I could find my car. <laughs> oh yeah. I just ran into a dude that I hadn't remembered, but 
I was at a bar and I asked him to help me find my car. So he was driving all around the area. Come to find out, I never had even driven oh. to the bar. Yeah. And then I'm like, thank you, God, for me not drinking anymore. I'm so grateful to have the, the monkey off my back. And it doesn't even... I, I I really don't think about uh, alcohol in the same capacity. My thing recently, because I've been 11 years, is um, actually realizing, well, and it's the podcast that's pulled this all out, is realizing where I'm at with it and um, how I've been living in the party and where I'm still kind of caught up. And so I think it took that like seven day sober curious thing that I did for others, which was really for myself. Cause there's so much time, you know, we sit here and we give advice and like 90% of the time it's just, you know, we need to listen to it and hear it because that's what we need. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, um, definitely I've just, uh, I continue to say I'm, I, I really practice a lot of gratitude um, in, in my journaling every day. It's just like gratefulness, gratefulness. And I am grateful to be um, continuing my transformation with alcohol um, and to, and I've actually seen a difference in some of my friends as well. I had one friend that was like, let's not, don't mention my name and I don't want to be on your podcast. And I was like, Oh gosh. And I did mention her name by like my first one because I didn't realize it. And then we got together and um, it was a while later um, this summer because I started in April. And um, she said, I have this book I want to share with you. Um, Quit Like a Woman by Whitney. Oh, you know what book I'm talking about? I've heard of it. Oh, it's so good. And for her to give me the book was incredible and then she said to me did you ever feel like we supported you and I'm like wow I thought about it and I did still feel the love of my friends because I was still there yeah but but they didn't ever do anything sober with me and but I didn't ask for it because I said still keep partying because that's what I felt like that needed to be done in order for me to like stay friends. Yeah. And thankfully you made it through that, but now you get that gift of being able to look back and go, wow, what would it have been like if I had asked myself if that was something that I wanted or needed and then been like, can we have a sober Saturday to where we all just go do something fun sober? Yeah. I'd still like to say that to them. You still Uh, can. I know I can. (laughs) I know I can. And uh, there's a couple that would, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, uh, I want to go back to what you said real quick. Um, using our experience to serve others is like the greatest teacher for us. Like that's one of the biggest things. That's where I learned my like big lessons to where I can sit and I can tell you up, down and all around because I can speak to you and I want You know, I want to give you everything I've got. But when it comes to me, I'm still used to either sitting in something or like I'm complacent with it or it's like, you know, it's something that I'm used to just holding on to and carrying. And then 
working with others, I'm like, oh, this totally applies to me. And you're going through this, not just for you, but for me too, because this is my chance to look in the mirror and address this. And it just doesn't come till we're ready. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're sharing it with the others and really you're like, oh, that was really for me, you know? And I needed to tell you so I could hear it because it's been going on in my head. But then once you, until you speak it out loud, you're like, yeah, I needed to hear that. Oh, I'm so glad that we got together so that you could share your experience and share your strength and your hope and what's coming up. So is there anything that you would like to tell someone who is either, you know, thinking that maybe they're getting to the point where the party needs to be over? Like, is there any just simple advice that you have for them? Um, There is support to those that want to surrender. You don't have to do it alone. Um, And you just have to ask for it. Ask for help. Ask for help. Like, and I, and, um, when that, that friend called me, um, there was another work friend, um, that I called right away and I'm like, this is what she just said. Oh my gosh. And she had had her own issues. It wasn't with alcohol. It was with drugs. And she goes, I go, I can't do this. And she goes, but I can help you. Yeah. Like I've gone to some you know, like AA stuff and I can help you. And so I didn't have a large group, but I had three people that helped me and I was so grateful and you don't have to do it alone. I'm here to have like a conversation with people. Anytime that I've gone and shared my story on my anniversary dates, I always get people that reach out and I've had people that um friends that are drinking, um, that have quit, um, some that are drinking so much less, the awareness, um, and they realize, you know, if I can quit the hugest partier, then they can quit too. Yes. That is my biggest thing is listen, like if you knew me then, whether you knew me or not, like you'll get to know me. Like if I can do it, you can do it. Like anything is possible. Yeah, I could not imagine a life without alcohol. And I, you know, it sounds like it was the same for you. And 100%. I remember someone wanted me to do a cleanse to just like get healthy. And she told me I had to go two weekends without drinking. And I'm like, one is okay, but no, thank you. I'm not going to participate because I can't go that long without drinking. I did the cleanses, but just drink straight vodka. <laughs> I would do all of the other things, but I would not not drink. Yeah. So. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. We're here to help. I know that your story is going to um, continue to resonate with so many. I know you're going to help people. And, um, and I'm so grateful that we connected Brandy, because you're awesome. And, and it, it is coming from the bartender. That's our friend on the other side and to have the sober bartender and being able to share that experience is um, really unique and really special. Just to start telling your story is so important. I agree. You're going to help so many people. You've helped me today. <laughs> and you've helped me too. I'm so thankful that we met. Yeah.
And I can't wait to see what comes next, but hopefully we'll talk soon. Oh yeah. Well, the thing that's coming next, more podcasts, of course, but the sticky ball. I can't wait for sticky balls. I'll make sure as soon as um, that Shopify um, is out and ready, um, I get that to you um, so you can get your hands sticky on my balls and my balls in your mouth. (laughs) And I'll tell you, folks, you can be ballsy and quit because you can still have a ball without alcohol. (laughs) And so perfect. What uh, what platforms are you on? So people can okay. So I'm account. on Facebook under Diane Gibbs, and then I'm on um Instagram with Diane with a double E Gibbs, and I am on um all the platforms, most of them on the podcast for the 420 reasons why I quit drinking. All right, thank yeah. you again. Wow. That was an incredible conversation. I never know what I'm going to hear. I never know what someone has been through. And that's the beauty of this podcast and these conversations is everyone has a story. And meeting Diane, you would never know that she's suffered a tragic loss. You've never, you'd never know, you know, that she's traveled the world. You just, you don't know what someone's been through and, you know, where they're at now. So. Diane is a great example of what taking alcohol out of your life can do for you. And I'm glad that I got to meet her. So please um, look for her podcast, 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. And that's Diane with one N and G-I-B-B-S. And if you like this podcast, if you like this show, please give me a rate and review if you're on Apple. Um, it helps me be seen. It helps other people find the show. You know, there's an algorithm. And if you're struggling, just know you're not alone. And we do recover. Whatever you're going through, you're going to get through it. So please just don't give up. Please keep swimming. And um, I love you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week.